Hey, I'm excited that, uh, to introduce to you somebody who, for many of you, needs no introduction. He has been a part of this church for the whole run. His name's Randy Peterson, and uh, Randy was part of the original core group that helped start the church over 30 years ago, and uh, has been a part, and a vital part, ever since. He's one of those guys who has such great wisdom and a deep faith that anytime I'm wrestling with some big issue, Randy is one of those people that I go to and uh, just need to get his wisdom uh, from. Randy is also currently a member of our lead team. In fact, he recently became chair of our lead team. And uh, so he's got great wisdom to share with us, and I am excited to hear from him as we end out 2020 and begin to look forward to 2021. So here's Randy. Hi. For the last four weeks, we've been looking at the Christmas story through the eyes of Mary. That's pretty easy to do since she's a pretty major player in that story. But we've also been looking ahead at where Mary shows up in the life and ministry of Jesus as he's growing up as he begins his public ministry in the middle of that ministry, and then, of course, at the end at the, at the crucifixion there. Mary shows up in the stories of Jesus, and we've learned a lot from watching her interactions with Jesus in that time. Well, there's one more place where Mary appears in the New Testament. Uh, it's not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It's in the next book, the book of Acts, in the first chapter there, after Jesus has ascended into heaven. So let me uh, pave the way for that, uh, for that story a bit here. Uh, Jesus has died on the cross, and as we know, three days later, rises from the dead. And Scripture tells us he spends the next 40 days with his disciples uh, teaching them. And, uh, and hanging out with them and enjoying their company and all of that, we have the sense that the Christian group, the, the group of followers, grew in that time. And, uh, and then, after 40 days, he ascends into heaven. But before he does, he says, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay here. Wait, because the Father is giving you a gift. He has promised to give you a gift. Just wait here for that. And so we have this group of believers there in Jerusalem, many of them from out of town, many of them sleeping on other people's couches and such uh, like that, uh, waiting for what? They don't know. When will it come? They don't know. They're just waiting because Jesus told them to. And it tells us that there were 120 people there in that group, 120 who were now Jesus followers. And it mentions specifically not only the 11 main remaining disciples, Judas was gone by now, but also it says Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. And so we know that she's there waiting with them a day, two days, three days. What must they have been thinking and feeling in that time? We can only imagine. Except, you know, you and I know a thing about waiting now, right? Uh, I can't wait for 2021 to start. Uh, and I, I know, it, it, we won't magically 
flip the calendar and suddenly everything will be better. It, it's going to take a while, but 2021 can't possibly be any worse than 2020 was, right? Uh, we've had a tremendously challenging year. Uh, you know it as well as I do. I, I, the, the pandemic, of course, has caused such devastation in, uh, in our lives. Uh, some uh, devastating health concerns and even loss of life, uh, but certainly economic disaster as well. But besides that, we've had, what, we've had hurricanes. I mean, we ran out of letters to name the hurricanes. We had to borrow a whole different alphabet to start naming the hurricanes. I have a friend who moved a few years ago to Louisiana. Bad idea. He's had five hurricanes to deal with this year. Maybe you have friends out west where they've been dealing with uh, fires, uh, unprecedented fires sweeping through and causing great damage. Also, maybe you've heard we had an election and uh, that uh, really ripped the country apart in so many ways. We've also had to come face to face with social injustice and uh, that's been a, a sobering uh, thing to, to come to grips with and to, to even begin tough conversations about. It's been a challenging year and, and I can't wait for relief for something to change for a new year and we have hopes of a, of a vaccine now beginning to roll out now and, and when will we get it and when will that substantially change life for us? Uh, we have hopes, we're waiting. Uh, we don't know when exactly that'll happen. Some of these other issues, well, you know, it'll take years and perhaps decades and perhaps lifetimes for you know, climate change, for social injustice, these bigger problems. But we wait. We wait for things to happen. We know about waiting. And so when we read about Mary and the other disciples back in that time, right after Jesus ascended, waiting in Jerusalem for the promise that God has given, not knowing what it was, not knowing what life would become for them, we can relate to where they were. You know, in a way, Mary knew a lot about waiting even before this. Uh, we first meet Mary as an expectant mother, expecting to give birth to the Christ child. Nine months she brought this child to term. And she had to be waiting to, to meet this amazing being that she would be giving birth to. And then even as, as Jesus was growing up, imagine waiting for a time when she could have a conversation with him waiting to see what choices he would make in his life. Certainly we know she was waiting for him to begin his public ministry, to make a splash in the world, and, and he did. Mary knew a lot about waiting, and so she was there with the other disciples, waiting for this promise a week, eight days, nine days. We believe it was about ten days before it happened. And then suddenly they heard a sound of a wind flowing into the place where they, they were, there, there were what appeared to be flames of fire that came from above and, and landed on their heads, and they began speaking in, in another language, but not really gibberish, because they, they went out into their community, into the city, and people understood what they were saying. 
Now, pause a moment here. Jerusalem at that time, it was the Feast of Pentecost. And this was one of the days that many Jews from all over the the Mediterranean world, particularly, would come back to Jerusalem to worship in the temple for this special holiday. Many of those people, their families had had migrated to other countries even centuries earlier. So they were thoroughly involved in those local cultures of the other countries. They spoke the language of those other cultures. And so when they came back to Jerusalem, they were tourists. They were strangers. They were visitors. They probably didn't know Hebrew or Aramaic at the time. And so suddenly, as they are feeling like strangers, but going to this temple to worship in the old ways that their forefathers and mothers had had shared with them, they suddenly hear a new message. They hear these Jesus followers swarming through the city and speaking excitedly about Jesus with a message about Jesus who died for their sins, Jesus who could bring them into a relationship with God, Jesus who could forgive them. And it sounds like home. They hear it in their own languages. It speaks to their hearts and they respond. We uh, were told that, that Peter got up somewhere in, in a central location there and delivered a sermon that explained who Jesus was and, and what he did and what he meant to them and how he could bring people into this relationship with God, challenge, challenging the people to, to repent and come to, to a new relationship with God. And we're told that 3,000 people said yes. 3,000 people, this group of 120 Jesus followers suddenly became more than 3,000. That's an increase of uh, 2,500% in case you're interested in the metrics on that. And imagine the logistical challenges of that. How is this group of 120 going to suddenly deal with thousands of people there. I, I can imagine that the apostles there are, are excited about this, but somebody's got to be worried about how they're going to deal with this crowd. i got to figure, you know, Mary and Martha are there, and Martha's saying, how am I going to cook for all these people? There was a challenge of logistics there, but they were trusting God to deal with this. Um, You know, I relate a little bit to that challenge of uh, logistics because 30 years ago, Hope Church was a core group of 12 people, and I was privileged to be part of that group. And then we had our first service, and there were nearly 300 people at that first service. So the metrics are really similar. That was nearly a 2,500% increase there. And we did have those logistical problems of how are we going to teach all of these people. Suddenly, this dozen people were a hundred or a couple of hundred people. How would we have meetings for them? How would we start small groups? How would we care for all those children? How would we do all the things that we needed to do as a church? Well, we trusted God, and God provided, and uh, it's been a great story of of hope along the way. We're given a great picture 
at the end of chapter 2 of Acts. And by the way, I really encourage you to go back. Now that Christmas is over, we can get away from the Christmas stories and see what happened after the story of Jesus. Acts chapter 1 and 2 would be a great thing to take a look at, to read together as a family and see the beginnings of the church. After the 3,000 people came to faith, we're given this snapshot of how the church began. And we're told that they, they... listen to the apostles teach them about Jesus and to teach them what Jesus had taught them. They were together in fellowship and that means not only gathering together for good times, but it also means sharing goods with one another as people were were needy. If they needed food, people provided for them. In fact, we're told specifically people sold stuff that they had to have the money to pay for the other people. Many of these, remember, were from out of town. They were travelers and now they were in Jerusalem without means of support The church reached out to them and supported them with an explosion of generosity. We're told that they met together for meals, uh, had had dinner together, and they they met from house to house, it says. Not only in the temple, in the big meeting in, in a temple complex, but they met in people's homes. They found a new way of meeting, and they also met together for prayer. It was an exciting time in that church and the community was taking notice and amazing things were happening in that community. You know, I look at that picture at the end of Acts chapter 2 and I think of where hope is today. Even in 2020, not even waiting for 2021, but 2020 right now, what are we doing? We are finding new ways of meeting together just as they did. We can't meet in the big space together But we are meeting literally from house to house. I'm in the church worship space right now, but you are in your house. You're in your house. You're in your you're in your apartment. You're in your you're gathered together with your family in your house. You are are with your bubble partner watching on your computer, on your phone, in your house. We are meeting house to house just as those early believers did. Finding new ways to be the church together. Just as that early church had an explosion of generosity, we've seen that too, haven't we? With the the food pantry expanding, meeting new needs, becoming aware of new families that we can support. And the, the giving has been amazing. You have been generous in donating supplies and food and, and money to, to keep this thing going, to share with the people who are in need because of this pandemic. We also, um, we are gathering together for prayer uh, virtually, Online, we have a, a prayer ministry and a regular prayer uh, alert that, that goes out to people. Every day, I, I, I check this and, and see what, what people connected with hope, friends of friends, people in the community, and certainly people in our church who need prayer. And we are praying for them regularly. There's one more thing I want to talk about, that, that hope has always tried to speak a language that people could understand. We have avoided religious language, highfalutin, these and thous. We don't talk theology a whole lot, not in a a heady academic way. We try to speak a language that sounds like home. And we're continuing to do that. 
Because we don't know that there may be some people tuning in. Maybe you're there now hoping that you may hear something online that will make sense to you. That will really make a difference in your life. We want to speak to you in a way that sounds like home to you. In a way that you can respond to. In all these ways we are seeing the miracles that God achieved in that first Pentecost moment. We're seeing them in different ways, but in many similar ways here in our church today. I can't wait for 2021. This new year, uh, we hope, will be better in so many ways than the old year. But the hope that we have is in God who is already working among us. The future is now. The future is happening now, and right now we're seeing God active in our lives, in our community, in your life, as you connect with other people in different ways, in difficult ways, in challenging, on Zoom calls, and in phone calls, and emails, and all of that, and in this service. Let's hope and pray that God will continue to use us and speak to us in the coming year.